Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Finding Freedom in Finance. My name is Braden Stark, and welcome back to another episode. And like I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to dive straight into it, and we're going to talk about a new topic for this podcast. And I, this one, I want to get into the growing empire of Saudi Arabia and their big bet on the future. So for those of you who don't know, obviously, Saudi Arabia is a the biggest country in the Middle East, and obviously the Middle East is well-renowned for their oil, and Saudi Arabia definitely runs kind of an, it's very much an oil state, and for the longest time, Saudi Arabia seemed like a, obviously it was growing because they were getting more efficient at refining oil, at, at drilling oil, getting the oil, finding the oil, all that, so they were getting better, but they were they were very one that kind of just relied on its oil money and remained largely um, doing its own. Just, just like imagine if a big group of old men ran a country. That was kind of what Saudi Arabia was like. With they kind of had just complacency in the royal family, and obviously they were a big deal. They were a major player, but they kind of just stuck to their oil, and that that was about it. And you know that like I said, largely stagnant, largely non-interactive. Just just kind of rested almost like like an old like if a bunch of old men ran a country and obviously of course Saudi Arabia is a huge partner across the world whether it be for the U.S. oil or China there are so many big countries that buy oil from Saudi Arabia so it's really powerful in the way that it controls a lot of the oil market and in 2015 we begin to see a huge shakeup in the political climate of Saudi Arabia when King Abdullah died and King Salman ascended to the throne and ushered in a new era of Saudi rule and a new way of Saudi life. Because it became very clear that with King Salman's reign, things were going to be different. Because of one man named Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. So MBS is King Salman's seventh son. And it was very clear from the start of King Salman's reign that he was going to largely stay out of it himself because he's kind of old and he wasn't too, didn't seem like he was too worried about governing the country himself. So what we saw for the next few years um, quickly became a power struggle between MBS and Mohammed bin Naif. Um, I believe that is um, King Salman's nephew, I want to say. And it became pretty clear because Mohammed bin Ben bin Naif became um, crown prince and MBS was crowned the defense minister. And it became very clear that MBS had a different way, a different style of running the country than King Abdullah and his family had because he quickly escalated the conflict in Yemen. Saudi Arabia already kind of had a um, conflict with Yemen. So Saudi Arabia thought that Yemen was using, was kind of rolling over and allowing Iraq to um, engage in kind of hostile actions and lining up people on the Yemen-Saudi border. And Saudi Arabia thought that Yemen was not doing enough as a country to prevent this and protect Saudi's own interests. So MBS took a very controversial step and escalated the conflict in Yemen. 
But the real the real issue happened, or the real real thing happened when um, Muhammad bin Naif was deposed in 2017 by King Salman, and MBS was promoted to crown prince. And even before that, it became clear that MBS had a new plan for Saudi Arabia. In 2016, MBS announced the 2030 vision to transform the Saudi economy, and that's largely what I'm going to be talking about. But it became clear he had some bold ideas, and now, after he became crown prince in 2017, he had the power to um, power to carry it out. So one of the one thing that happened was, I believe, in 2019, he invited a bunch of Saudi family members and held them hostage in a Hilton hotel until they paid the Saudi Arabia, Saudi government back some money. So it was very clear, because obviously Saudi Arabia is a pretty corrupt country, because it was um, just so family, so, you know, your cousin did something illegal, I mean, he's your cousin, you're not going to rat him out, right? So, but Saudi Arabia kept all of these records, and MBS went through these records and decided that a lot of these, in order to continue to gain political control, I don't think this was an altruistic move, he wasn't trying to get the money back for the good of the Saudi people, I think he was trying to assert his control over the country. And in order to do that, he went ahead and he... Um, extorted a lot of the family members to get money back and prove that he was in charge. And he did a lot of things to um, reinvigorate the Saudi economy. The first thing he did was he actually extended rights to women. Once again, I don't think this is very altruistic. Obviously, Saudi Arabia has been in the headlines for the Jamal Khashoggi murder and dismemberment of, and a lot of ties have been personally linked back to the crown prince himself. So I don't think this, I just wanted to get this off the bat. I don't think he's a good person. I want that to be pointed, put out there. This is a finance podcast. This is largely business related. So I'm, I'm not going to mostly cover a lot of the political on political climate and things like that. I'm going to largely leave that stuff alone and focus specifically on his economic goals because they are ambitious, they are very interesting, and they are definitely a 180 from what Saudi did before he was put in government. But I want to say that everything I talk about, by no means do I think he's a good guy, and by no means am I endorsing any of the things he's done. It's just very interesting to step back and take an objective lens and look at everything and say, Wow, this is really interesting in such a, in such a departure from past Saudi rule, and I wonder how this is going to affect the geopolitical climate of the world. That, that's what this episode is. It's it's kind of a deep dive. It's kind of an essay on MBS's economic plans and what that means for the future of Saudi Arabia and the world, because Saudi Arabia very much sits on the precipice, on kind of a balance between the U.S. And China, as we are beginning to head into almost another Cold War between the U.S. and the emerging China. So Saudi Arabia is kind of one of those countries that is kind of towing the line and hasn't really picked a side yet between the between the USA and China. So but so a lot of people believe that that's going to give Saudi Arabia very good bargaining power. So it's just very interesting on the world stage to look at what Saudi Arabia has done and ta- think about how that could provide ripple, of- ripple effects throughout the global economy. So like I said, just want to put that out there. So it became very clear once MBS took over that he was going to have a very different plan for the country than his predecessors, right? Saudi Arabia is a nation that is built on oil. 
but very quickly it became clear that MBS was in no mood to kind of stick with the status quo when he announced the 2030 vision to transform the the economy. And if you want the TLDR of what that vision said, that vision said, we're going to decrease our reliance on our oil production. Obviously, the Saudi economy is very, very reliant on oil prices to maintain, to be stable as a country. So it was very interesting that MBS actually very early on in his, um, very early on in his, um, right, we, we have to understand that in 2016, according to Bloomberg, um, Saudi Arabia was burning through foreign reserves faster than anyone knew and that the country was actually only two years away from insolvency. Um, plummeting oil revenue resulted in almost $200 billion of a budget shortfall, a preview of a future in which Saudi's only viable export could not pay the bills. Um, historically, Saudi Arabia relied on petroleum for 90% of its budget and more than half of its GDP. In, on April 25th of 2016, after seeing all of the issues, so after the oil price declines of 2016, it became pretty obvious to MBS and Saudi leadership that oil was not a sustainable course of action into the future to maintain the long-term health of the Saudi economy with electric vehicles becoming a thing and the the quick shift reliance off of oil onto more renewable sources. So in 2016, he announced the 2030 Vision to Transform the Economy initiative. And like I said, TLDR, decreased reliance on oil. So what are some of those initiatives? So what are some of these initiatives that Saudi Arabia took? Well, the first thing you have to understand is Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which is $630 billion, which is of worth of assets controlled by the Saudi government to kind of maximize their wealth. It's sovereign wealth fund, but, you know, for Saudi Arabia versus other countries, a lot of countries have these wealth funds where the countries themselves will buy assets to try and grow the overall economy's money. So it has shifted a lot of shifted investments to a lot of industries, right? For example, um, what was once a, according to an article, what, what was once a sleepy government holding company is now a vehicle for the global ambitions of the country's de facto ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. It's the sixth biggest sovereign wealth fund, and it has made some a, a lot more interesting investments, especially in the American tech sector, right? It owns a lot of Google, and, not a lot of Google, a lot of Uber, other tech companies, and also, a lot of you may have heard of the Vision Fund, of course, started by Masayoshi's son, SoftBank in Japan. It was to it was $100 billion worth of money tasked with finding the next big suite of technology companies. And, of course, a lot of people know Masayoshi's son and the SoftBank because of the WeWork disaster. But what a lot of people don't know is $45 billion of that 100 was from Saudi Investment Fund. So it's just a kind of a commitment. You can show what a person really cares about or where they're putting their money at, putting their money where their mouth is. And Saudi Arabia has been doing that, right? Owning a lot of companies here with their wealth fund. They own a 62% stake in Lucid, Lucid Motors, the electric car company, which is actually setting up a factory in Saudi Arabia and is valued at almost $10 billion. The fund also has stakes in video game makers, such as Activision, Blizzard, and EA. 
and the digital services and retail businesses of Asia's richest man, Mukesh Ambani, an, in, an Indian person and owns an Indian company. Because obviously India is one of the best places to make money right now because a lot of there's a growing middle class in a country of over almost 2 billion people. So there are a lot of there are a lot of um, interesting developments that Saudi Arabia is making to kind of try and diversify their economy away from strictly oil, right? Another thing that they're doing is they're trying to revolutionize the tourism and hospitality industry. One example is Neom, the smart city. I don't know, it was going back on Twitter a few months back, a lot, trending a lot around the world, is Saudi Arabia's line city. That is projected to be the first project that Neil makes. It is supposed to be a $500 billion um, investment across all of these initiatives, and the line is the first one. And it, the line is supposed to be the first part of the you know, project city to rely on and export renewable energy. So it would be fully self-sufficient, fully um, self-sufficient on renewable energy, and then also make money for the Saudi government by exporting that energy abroad. And another interesting thing is that Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia also has given a lot more rights and economic freedom to Saudi women. Of course, there was the whole deal about Saudi, Saudi women being able to drive, but also as part of the 2030 vision plan, 2030 vision from MBS, Saudi Arabia is giving a lot more economic freedom to women to be able to be in higher positions in in the business and government and well not government in business in the private sector of course i don't know why they did it i don't know if mbs truly and in them all truly believe in equal rights or if it's to make themselves look palatable to the west i don't really know a lot of articles i said that you're mostly kidding yourself if you really believe that saudi arabia is going to be meaningfully expanding rights for women and if the people in the country actually believe that beyond just making it look more palatable to the west and more apt for investment i don't really know if that's something he actually believes or not it's hard you know he's he's one of those guys that really has a cult of personality and is trying to shift a trillion dollar i mean the gdp is astronomical of saudi arabia for its size i mean it's a it's an incredibly powerful and rich country and just one man single-handedly trying to change the direction of the country so i don't really know if that's something he believes in if he's trying to get brownie points politically or if he believes that the women getting involved economically will be beneficial for the country i really don't know but you can only look up the facts and saying that objectively it seems like women are starting to get more freedom in the country as far as the energy um, sector, which is really important, obviously, of course, Neom is kind of the uh, the smart city in the line, is kind of their first foray into that. But also, Saudi Arabia has planned to spend $80 billion for 16 nuclear power plants over the next 20 years. Of course, that was 20 years in when the vision plan was announced. And even just a few days ago, I saw an article where Saudi announced that they're going to commit over $260 billion. I don't think there was ever a timeline on that, but for green energy projects, just saying, trying to reaffirm their commitment to kind of switch the economy from strictly oil-based to these new renewable energy sources. Basically, what it seems to me like Saudi Arabia is trying to do is they're trying to take their dominance in the current energy sector and funnel that money into creating dominance for the future in the energy sector through green projects like the nuclear power plants and other renewable energy sources that they're funneling money into. 
Finally, an interesting thing is Saudi Arabia's state-owned oil giant, the way that they make all their money with their oil, went public and raised $29.4 billion at a $1.7 trillion valuation back in 2021. So again, trying to raise money by offering up their state-owned oil giant to investors on the Saudi stock market and again getting money to help facilitate that change to a more green future, just trying to get money. Another way that, that MBS is trying to re- re- reform the economy is through tourism. Saudi Arabia has spent a lot of money on things like luxury resorts, cinemas, entertainment center centers, all the like, just trying to create a reliable tourism sector in a country that never really had a whole lot of tourist interest. Obviously, tourism is very strong and provides the backbone for so many countries around the globe. And Saudi Arabia is trying to truly revitalize itself as an entertainment destination across the world. So Saudi Arabia has really committed billions of dollars to kind of revitalize and make Saudi Arabia a tourism destination. And that is another way that they're trying to shift away. It's all about diversification away from oil. Another, lots of very interesting developments here in sports. There is something widely known called sports washing, where it is countries are trying to um, get over the PR scandals and things by hosting sporting events, buying teams, all sorts of things to kind of sweep controversy under the rug. For example, Saudi Arabia led a consortium to buy Newcastle, a um of course a soccer or a football a football team back in May of 2020 and so it is just kind of slowly see- seeping into sports of course LIV golf is one that I'm most familiar with because I watch golf a little bit more than I do s- football but Saudi Arabia created the LIV golf tour which has lured famous golfers like Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka away from the PGA Tour and it's creating a real competitor to the PGA Tour and it is one thing that Saudi Arabia is able to do because they have such a dominance in the oil space they are able to kind of just throw money at the problem right Dustin Johnson earned 35 million dollars from eight events with LIV so far and he earned a total of 75 million dollars in 15 years on the PGA Tour and so he's already earned almost half of what he made for 15 years and eight events, which is astonishing. So it's really creating a legitimate competitor by luring some of the most famous golfers away with a lot of money. Right, Saudi Arabia has also hosted the 2021 Grand Prix. Of course, that's F1, Formula One racing. And just again, just more examples of Saudi Arabia throwing money at the problem. I'm sure we all remember Qatar hosting the World Cup, the most recent World Cup. Again, it's another example of these countries trying to get more prominence, trying to get brownie points by hosting these events and hoping they drive economic growth as these countries become more palatable for the West. Again, another example, this one's pretty niche, but one of my friends was talking to me about it. The Riyadh Masters 2022 Dota 2 tournament, which had the highest, of course, Dota is a a MOBA game um, where... You try and beat the enemy. I mean, I'm not going to go into the specifics of the game itself. The point is, Saudi Arabia had a tournament there, and it had the second biggest prize pool beyond just the world championship. Um, So, again, just throwing obscene amounts of money at the problem to try and 
overcome the, their issue with sports washing and again, trying to diversify the economy. Another one that hits close to home for me is Saudi Arabia hosting a lot of WWE events. Of course, they had a one-off event in Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel, and then they made it yearly. So it seems like the uh, Saudi government is paying WWE boatloads of money, and WWE is coming and holding a show there. And it seems it seems to me like there are a lot of rumors floating around that Saudi Arabia itself may end up just straight up buying WWE. So that's one that's close to me, and it's again another sign of the the diversification, the sports washing of Saudi Arabia into these industries and trying to take over, right? And the last one, of course, that I'm sure most of us have heard about is signing Ronaldo to a Saudi team. Of course, given a massive contract, let me check the size. It was a $200 million per year deal with Al Nasser FC, which plays in the top flight of Saudi Arabia. So, 200 million a year and again just trying to bring more eyeballs more acceptance more western acceptance more palatable become better for investment and to diversify away from that oil base that they had so what is the takeaway here after the huge drop in oil prices in 2016 um saudi arabia bled pretty heavily and it seemed like they weren't going to be able to sustain their current country model, not even business model, right? This goes beyond a business model. This is a country model where if the oil price is so low, Saudi Arabia is just not making money from selling it. It costs them more to get it out of the ground than it does to sell. And you just can't do that. So it was going to bleed them dry and potentially as long as two years if low oil prices stayed as low as they did back in 2016. But oil prices did rebound, but I think it became clear to MBS because of that shock that Saudi Arabia was not a very resilient economy and that it needed to adapt and change as oil demand begins to wane coming into the next years when we're looking to adopt renewable energy sources and electric cars. So he decided to expand and expand and remake the economy using a lot of different um, industries such as renewable energy, sports, and tourism to remake the economy and adapt Saudi Arabia for the coming de- coming decades and coming centuries. It will, we have yet really to see how the efforts are going to pay off going forward. Oil prices are in a pretty good state right now, so they kind of cover up any of the problems that may be going on from the project. I heard a report that there were only two buildings built on the line, and it's supposed to be done by 2025, and it has barely had anything done on it right now. So who knows if those are going to end up paying off, right? So it's, again, something to watch and take the signs as we go into the future. Is Saudi Arabia adapting, right? Are their renewable energy strategies working? Is their sports washing working? Is it going to be a major player? And it seems like it will be for the while anyway because of oil prices that are still pretty high at the moment. They rebounded pretty, pretty well from the pandemic. So, you know, Saudi Arabia can be a really interesting middleman. Obviously, the U.S., it was big deal, was energy independent during the Trump administration, was creating enough energy to fulfill its own needs. But in, in the Biden administration, for better or worse, um, Biden cut off a lot of oil projects and the country became energy dependent. So it was reliant on some of these exporters. And Saudi Arabia is the biggest exporter. So if Saudi Arabia decides to, you know, get in bed with the uh, 
get in bed with the Russias and the Chinas of the world, that could be a huge deal for America politically, especially if Saudi has a kind of upper hand, a leg up in the future as far as renewable energy sources, being able to pile so much money into it to be able to get an advantage. So that is really interesting to see how just in the last eight years, Saudi Arabia has really undergone such a public and such a major shift going forward. And we have yet to see, I mean, right, he put all the chips on the table, he's all in. So I think it's interesting to kind of bring to light because this is such an important topic, such an important issue that very few people really know about what's going on. I mean, it's halfway around the world. It's in Saudi Arabia, but it can play some really, really important effects on our on everyone's lives going forward, depending how the bets pay off and how Saudi Arabia decides to align itself politically. And also, I just think it's interesting. I thought it might be something you guys wanted to know about. So let me know if you like this episode and if I should keep doing things like this going forward. I already have some other ideas and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Don't forget to share. Um, let some people know about us. But give me a review. Let me know what you think. I'm excited going forward. I'm excited to be back and to keep working on it. And um, thank you. And I hope you have a good day. Bye.